can't do it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. What's going on, everybody? Shaman here. I'm introducing this mini episode today and uh, kind of introducing you the way the show is moving forward from here on out. Today we'll be finishing our positional breakdowns, but going forward, the mini episodes will be consisting of live reactions post-game from the boys and maybe some special segments like interviews, you know, like included today. And today the position is the big boys in the front of the defense, the defensive linemen. One of my favorite positions. Take it away, guys. Giants fans, welcome to the first mini episode of Big Blue all year. Today, Berger and Mac are going to be breaking down the defensive line. We promised you we weren't going to leave you hanging about our positional breakdown. Uh, next week, we got Daniel Jones and the quarterback group, but today we're talking fatties. So if you like what you hear, please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Big Blue All Year and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, it might be the morning, it might be a mini episode, but you know, we're still doing it live. So, Defensive line. I think this is going to be pretty seamless. Uh, I'm interested to see if Berger and I even get into any disagreements because I think if there's anything that can be objectively said as a strength of this team, it's the fat boys up front. So we're going to get into the state of the defensive line, knock out these starters, um, talk a little bit about the depth, and then who knows who's on the chopping block. Those decisions are going to be coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, so see who is sticking out um, as we move through camp. So first up, let's just break it down on the depth chart according to ESPN. This is being recorded the day after our intra-squad intra scrimmage, excuse me. Uh, so this might be shifting here momentarily. But as it stands right now, we have Sexy Dexy starting as our left defensive end, defensive tackle in a 3-4 set. You could debate it. Uh, same with Leonard Williams on the right defensive end and the big boy himself, Dalvin Tomlinson at nose tackle. And then behind them, we got a bunch of names, Austin Johnson, RJ McIntosh, Chris Slayton, um, um, BJ Hill, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure we'll get into those guys later. Berger, I've been talking at you, buddy. Uh, give me, give me something about these fat boys. I know you like, you, you, I know you like them big. The part two, letting loose this summer. Ooh, I love me some meat and potatoes, Mac. I'll give you that. I think this could be maybe one of the strongest position groups that we have on the Giants. And, you know, it's an exciting group. Like you said, sexy, dexy, starting all 16 games his rookie season, you know, wreaking havoc on the quarterback. Like, I think he's just coming into his own. Man, like, I'm excited to see what he can do in year two if he could take it to that next level. You know what I mean? Like, to the next level, man. Electric so, man. Take this shit to the next level. So, like, I'm excited to see if he, like, I don't want to think, is he the breakout performer, like, of this, like, of Dalvin, of Leonard, and Dex? Like, I think this could be his time to shine. Like, I know Leonard Williams is getting a lot of hype right now in training camp. They're thinking he's putting it all together, but I think Sexy Dex, he's my guy. Like, what are you thinking right now? Yeah, so let's, let's, We'll remove Dalvin Tomlinson from this conversation briefly and we'll circle back on him because he's obviously up for contract uh, as well as Leonard Williams. Brief note on Dexter, on the, the sexy Dexy himself. Um, I think there was a lot of consternation maybe about taking a defensive tackle, especially a dude who's 
six foot four, 342 pounds. I mean, typically pegged as uh, just a run stuffer, maybe, you know, like Damon Harrison 2.0, so to speak. And there was a lot of grief about taking him with the 17th pick. Uh, you know, he's always going to be tied to the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. But I mean, if Nick Bosa wasn't in the league last year, he very well might have been defensive rookie of the year. I mean, this dude showed that he has some wiggle to him. You know, he had two and a half sacks. He had nine QB hits. Um, you know, I mean, there are plays that you see this man chasing people down the sidelines and making tackles and hustle plays. So I, I'm super excited about him. Am I going to go crazy and say he has Aaron Donald potential? No, I, I think it's too early and too disrespectful to the talent of Aaron Donald to say that about Sexy Dexy. But you have to be excited about what a 22-year-old massive man is bringing to the table this year. Um, as for Leonard Williams... I don't think we can have the conversation with him without discussing the trade. So, Berger, I know we have uh, we have had plenty of chats about this over the last year or so. Mm -hmm. but, uh, <laughs> let the audience know how you feel. So, he was drafted pick six out of USC in 2015 by the Jets. We obviously trade a third and fifth round pick that could become a fourth round pick in 2021 to get him. How are we feeling about that then and now, I suppose? Well, the fact that we're, we're paying him on this franchise tag. So you said we traded these draft picks for him. We're now paying him like $16 million and change. Like, like when I, we made the trade, I was a little upset. I was like, damn, like, you know, like he's a good player, but he's never lived up to the bill of being, you know, sixth overall. Like, like you said, like maybe I'm looking for a Joey Bosa kind of player in that kind of like that terminology when you're drafted that early. But he, I, I, I looked at his stats and I was like, okay, he only had half sack for the Giants and, it was eight games I'm seeing right now. Uh, one forced fumble, two pass deflections, 11 quarterback hits, though. So when I see the QB hits, like, it's saying he's almost there. And he's almost getting those, like, sexy numbers that we want. So I'm, I'm waiting for him to, like, round it out, put it together. I think this is going to be his sixth NFL season. He's only 26 years old, so he's young, man. And he's got a lot of, like, mileage in the NFL. Like, he's, He's got some durability. Like, he, didn't, he only missed two games in his career, which is great. So, I wonder if this is the year he rounds it out and he puts maybe, like, what, an eight-sack season? Is that, like, you think maybe in the round, like, in, like, the scoring zone for him or, like, you know, the strike zone? Like, is that possible? Yeah, I don't think it's impossible. And I think, too, sometimes that we get too caught up on sack as a metric. You know, it doesn't necessarily correlate to success. Um, so, you it, although it's the flashy stat, it's what you want to see. It's the big play. And that's what gets you paid, right? You know, people who sack the quarterback get paid uh, typically. But if those sack numbers go up a little bit, great. But if he continues to put the pressure on and we see those Q QB hits and the pressures, and I, I, unfortunately, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but you look at our splits of run game defense from the first eight games to the second uh, uh, half of the season, and our run defense saw a clear improvement when Leonard Williams joined this team. And you look at some of the offenses we need to play in the NFC East, and we need to be able to stop the run. So um, obviously, I think I was, if you look at a vacuum, the trade was a bad decision. We gave up uh, draft capital. And frankly, I mean, Gettleman has a good track record with finding later round players. So you don't love giving that up in a lost season for an expensive player who has underperformed his draft uh, standing, so to speak. That said, today, does Leonard Williams on the Giants in 2020 make them a better football team? I think that's an unquestionably yes. And if he plays mm -hmm. well, I don't have any problem entertaining the idea of extending him as long as he's not looking for, you know, top five position money. 
Well, that's going to be the issue, though, is if he has these numbers. So, like, say he gets eight sacks and, you know, he, he plays a full season and he's healthy and he shows why he wants to get paid, what, maybe $15 million a year. That's going to be tough because now we're going to go – I think we should circle to Dalvin Thompson now because he's coming off his final year of his rookie deal. He's only getting paid one, $1.5, $1.45 million. Like, you know, that's chump change, and that's great for the Giants. Like, that's great value. And that man – Played a hell of a – like, he had a great season last year. 49 tackles, three and a half sacks, nine quarterback hits. And, like, you never even heard of him, and he's on the radar. And I think he's going to be, like, you know, that Linval Joseph kind of player where another team's going to see his impact and his value and steal him from us, which sucks because I, the Giants typically have not been keeping their own lately. And I think this is, a, a like, a, per, a player that we should keep and to build off of on this group. And it's going to suck if we do lose him. And between him and having to pay him and Leonard is, it's going to be a tough decision because he's going to, I think Dalvin's going to command at least eight to 10 million somehow, which is crazy to think, but some team will go out there and be like, Hey, this guy can fucking play. Like, let's go get him. And like, he's going to plug in and be a great starter. Like, I think he's got pro bowl potential, dude. I don't know about you, but I I I I love Dalvin. And I think he is, but you keyed in on it. The giants have a track record and this is, not just one GM, it's over the years of not re-signing our big, beefy defensive tackles. I mean, you said Linval Joseph, I mean, Jonathan Hankins, um, I want to say even, you know, Barry Cofield uh, of the world, Fred Robbins, like those guys. Never. Oh, made- you do a Fred Robbins take? I love it. His, his, uh, his sack dance, was it him where he like pretended where he was like electrocuting himself when he would sack people? He got like the teaser <laughs> in his belly. It was like the best. <laughs> I love it. Um, fat sons of bitches. Um, the, so we draft we, in the second so, round, like, can we afford to lose him? Like we just keep giving away like high draft picks. Like, you know what I mean? Like we got rid of like trade away to Odell Beckham. Like, do we even keep our own players anymore? What is going on? Sure. I, I don't disagree with you in that in the general idea that uh, drafting well and then re-signing your guys as opposed to overpaying a free agency is the way to go. I would say that the arguments against it would be Dalvin Tomlinson's skill set, while is good and he's very, very good at it, uh, he doesn't necessarily offer a lot in the pass rush departments. And can you replace that production with another draft pick or with a, 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 a rotation of guys that can do similar things, albeit maybe not as well. I think if Leonard Williams shows his potential this year, it is, he is a harder skill set to replace. You know, he is that quasi DND tackle in a three, four set. If he can continue to bring those pressures and then get home, I think that's more difficult to replace. So if you're asking me if both of them have great seasons and we're going to have to pay 12 million for Dalvin, I would probably take the, the 16 or so for Leonard Williams in, in my personal opinion. Um, that said, if Dalvin continues to be sort of under the radar as he has been, I think Giants fans know and love him. He's starting to get some love around the league, but it's not like, you know, you ask some limp dick motherfucker on the street, you know, who is Dalvin Tomlinson? And they're gonna be like, who, what are you talking to me about? You know? So he's not a household name. So if there is a scenario and this, I'm not a cap expert, but could you imagine where Leonard Williams has a good year, Dalvin Tomlinson has another good but unspectacularly unspectacular year, could we re-sign both of them and time it out that by the time Sexy Dexy needs his next contract, we can get out from underneath those cap burdens? I, it, it seems a little insane to put that much on the defensive line when they're not, you know, pass rushing specialists. 
But I don't know. I could see a scenario where you could scoop by with that. Um, I, I don't know. Well, you also said that too. Like, you know, we, they're kind of like a dime a dozen almost. Like you can, you can replace them easily in the draft. Like we, we keep doing it. So the Giants continually do. They, they keep, after like four years, they replace like Dallin Thompson to go over for, or is Jonathan Hankins pretty much. Yeah. Right. Like he, and before that was Linval Joseph. So it, they just keep doing the same thing, which is great. But Linval Joseph has been like a pro bowl over the Vikings for like, I don't know how many years now, like he's a great player, but is, is maybe Austin Johnson. I know we only signed him from the Titans for a one year deal. Could he be, if Dalvin left maybe that guy who fills in, like maybe he's an under radar player we signed and he's still a second round pick and he just got off his rookie deal from the Titans and, maybe find a little lightning in the bottle there, you know, like he could possibly step in and fill those shoes. If maybe we like what we see and get him on like a two-year deal, or maybe we draft somebody like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we picked up this Dalen Mack guy who's 23 years old. He's six foot one, 340 pounds. We picked that guy, Chris Slayton out of Syracuse last year. He's six four, three Oh seven, you know, he's a seventh round pick admittedly. And I think Dalen was a, a fifth rounder. Now RJ McIntosh, I think is more of the, the D end in the three, four, he's six foot four, 283 was injured his rookie year, but has shown a little bit of wiggle when he's got in there. I think he had two sacks in very, very minimal uh, playing time. Now, I think the wild card in this depth, um, and, and I do agree with you, I think Austin Johnson could play that role, role mm -hmm. as a nose tackle. So it'd be interesting to see if we go with a rotation of those guys, or maybe we use a second or third round draft pick on another, you know, big beefy middle guy. Uh, if we decide to go the route where we're letting Dalvin go, which again, I think I love him. I respect him in an ideal world. I'd love to have him back. But I think the track record of the Giants shows that it's entirely possible, if not likely, that he's not long for Giants Nation. The guy, though, that I want to spend a minute on, and then we'll wrap this up and get you guys out of here, is B.J. Hill. Now, it's odd to call a six foot three, 311-pound man undersized. I think based on the really out-of-nowhere uh, pass rush skills he showed in his rookie year. We were expecting huge things, had a little bit of a sophomore slump, and then got replaced by Leonard Williams. But I think the guy has talents. Uh, I don't know if he would step in and replace the nose tackle, but we still have him for another two years, I believe, and or I guess it'll be in one more year after this. I think he has a role to play. Do you like BJ? Yeah, pump those numbers up. Those are rookie. Numbers I I don't I, I think if the Giants want to be successful, I think BJ Hill has to be a factor this year. Like so, with his rookie numbers, he almost he played twelve out of sixteen games. He had five and a half sacks as a rookie, uh, six tackles for loss, eight quarterback hits, and then I pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. Those are rookie numbers, baby. You gotta, you gotta bump those numbers up. I know. So we're all right. So we're gonna say he had a sophomore slump, dude. Last season he played in five of sixteen games. He had one sack, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. Like you said, they brought in Leonard Williams to almost. He just wasn't a factor, which is crazy because like we were high on him his rookie year. Like man, like this could be like a great find in the third round. Like Dave Gelman, great job, you know, finding this player at NC State, and he he dropped off and. I could see why that he maybe went out and got Leonard Williams is maybe he didn't think Leonard, I mean, uh, if BJ Hill was going to keep producing at that level. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see if he, you know, he, he, he finds his, his, like, you know, his rookie form, you know, he flashes again, you know, if he can be a rotation guy and he has a good season, I, I can see us replacing Leonard Williams with him like easily. We don't have to pay a guy $16 million and we get him on the fourth year of his rookie deal. Fuck yeah. Sign me up. I'm down. What do you think, Mac? 
I don't disagree with you. Honestly, as well, we can plug those resources if we want to go after a big outside linebacker or a pass rushing specialist and get by with, you know, really stout uh, run defense in the defensive line. So we'll see. But Gettleman has a track record of loving his big fatties, both on the offense and defensive line. So, um, I mean, you look at his draft record in Carolina, and he was picking defensive tackles when he had one of the best defensive lines in the game at the time. So I don't think it's crazy to say that we're going to re-sign all of them and draft another guy. Who the hell knows? Um, but all right. So uh, burger, let's, let's get the folks out of here. This is going to be a tight episode. I, I, there are a lot of players to talk about. We didn't even get into uh, disciples boy, Nico Lalos, but I think the reality is Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Thompson, Leonard Williams, unquestioned starters and should be playing the vast majority of snaps. Do you agree? I agree. Would you say, I'll give you one more question. Do you think this is the stoutest position group that we have on the roster? I think it might be the only position group where we actually know all three starters who are they definitely going to be. <laughs> so by default, I think yes. Less pessimistically, definitely yes. I think you have an ascending second-year guy in Dexter Lawrence. You got Leonard Williams that is maligned because of his draft position, but is unquestionably talented and a solid football player. And Dalvin Thompson, as we've been talking about, has been under the radar really, really good for the last few years. So I think it's the, the best position group on the team, and it's really might not even be close. Dude, I think they obviously might be the deepest too. Like we said, like we're talking, I think if Mag, all right, if Magintosh makes a team, BJ Hill is no slouch. And I'm a fan of Austin Johnson and Chris Slayton. So I don't know how many they're going to carry. Like, like I said, we play a three, four base now. So I don't even know if they're going to carry six, maybe six. I would say that. Yeah, I'm really not sure. Six, six is probably the most. So you figure BJ Hill's locked in. Um, you know, I imagine that it is Chris, Dalen, RJ, and Austin vying for that other uh, position. Yeah. RJ maybe gets the nudge because he's a Gettleman draft pick, fifth round mm -hmm. out of Miami. But, you know, they went out and signed these other two guys. So uh, we'll see. And, you know, maybe they're auditioning for who's going to replace Dalman next year. Can they step in and be productive against the run and, and get some of that production? But all right, guys. Well, thanks for joining Berger and us for a little fatty boy chat. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking the quarterback room, but spoiler alerts, that's essentially going to be a Danny Dimes episode. So anyways, Shaman, take us out. I'm going to drink green tea all goddamn day. You're going to bring the demons out of me. As I mentioned before, these mini episodes will have special segments and interviews. And today, we're excited to bring you a true professional with years of experience in the field. It's Big Blue All Year's very own sports medicine expert and Mac's father, Big Mac. Take it away, guys. This week's The Football Games. Catching injuries. May the odds be ever in your favor. So, Big Mac. Tell the people why they should be listening to you. Yes, I was an athletic trainer in 1975 and worked at Division I, two, and three schools. After that, I went back to school and got my master's degree in physical therapy from Duke University. I started a uh, sports medicine program at a local hospital. And since that time, I've been a physical therapist. That's right, Big Blue All Year fans. We have our very own medical specialist on the pod. And 
While Big Mac is the complete opposite of myself, Little Mac, don't let his shy nature beguile the fact that he is an expert in all things sports medicine. So with that, let's jump into the two most significant injuries that we have some information on over the last week. First up is presumptive starter at middle linebacker David Mayo, who has a torn meniscus in his left knee. Tell us about that, Big Mac. Well, as I understand it, he had a partial tear of a meniscus, so they're going to go in with the arthroscope and shave off that section of the meniscus that's torn. Now, normally you'd say this should happen pretty quickly and recovery should be swift, but it can be anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks. Sometimes when they go in there, they find other problems, articular cartilage damage. Sometimes it takes a while for the swelling to come on out. So with this injury, it is possible he could be back as quickly as two to three weeks after. The typical time would be four to six weeks. Well, that's some much needed optimism. And yes, folks, that's a bunch of mad dogs yelling in the background. We got LT in the house over here. All right. So the one that I think we're all a little bit more concerned about, obviously we'd like to see David Mayo back on the field, but I mean, Disciple was picking this kid to be defensive player of the year status. We have penciled in Xavier McKinney as our starting free safety. Second round pick out of Alabama that we were thrilled about. Unfortunately goes down with a broken foot in practice last week. And it's being referred to as a Jones fracture. What does that mean? How concerned should we be? Is this something he's going to be able to step in and be fine with? Or are we looking at you know, lingering issues like Ahmad Bradshaw or Hakeem Nix. You know, what is a Jones fracture and what does that mean for McKinney, you know, frankly now and, and in going into the future for the rest of his career? A Jones fracture is just a name they give to a fracture of the fifth metatarsal of the foot. It's at the proximal end, just about an inch below the bump on the outside of the foot. And it's a concerning injury. Defensive backs or any football players have to put a lot of pressure on the outside of their foot as they explode into tackles and to go up for an interception or even land. The bad news is it's a very poor, poor area of blood supply. For this reason, they've gone in and they've done surgery. And they've probably used either a screw or uh, some screws and plates uh, to get this guy back into play. But even it, as uh, it stands with these uh, surgical procedures, he's going to be non-weight bearing for four to six weeks. You can do conditioning and, and rehab and do all you want, but the lower part of his leg is going to be weaker. The true belief is that it really takes eight to 12 weeks to recover from this. And that question would be then, is it even worthwhile at the end of eight to 12 weeks to push this athlete back on the field or is it better off to let him sit out the season and come back next year. Two follow-up questions for you, Big Mac. If Xavier McKinney has a full recovery, everything is looking good, let's ignore whether or not he plays at the end of this season. Let's just assume, according to the professionals, he has a perfect recovery. Should we have any significant concerns about this being a lingering issue moving forward in his career? Or is this something that he can overcome pretty quickly with the currently slated recovery time. The reason there is some question about it is there is a poor blood supply to that area. 
he should recover completely. He would be better off probably sitting out the year and then having much uh, more possibilities of a complete and uh, airfield uh, recovery. And then lastly, you had mentioned something to me, and, and if you could uh, enlighten us, please. It seems that as the NFL and certainly high school sports and collegiate athletics as well, has transitioned to more of a turf, astroturf field as opposed to grass, that you have seen these types of injuries start cropping up with a higher percentage. Is there a reason for that? Is that a causation correlation situation? What's going on with that? I think the simple response is simply this. If you have a person run a 40-yard dash on a dirt field, and then have him run the same 40-yard dash on an astroturf field, he's going to be faster on the astroturf. Why? Because he can push off harder, he can explode more. So there's more forces being transmitted through the person's lower legs. So it, it, it's, it's true that there probably is more of this type of injury on an astroturf field than there would be on a regular turf field. All right, folks, that was the football games catching injuries. May the odds be ever in your favor. Not to be too pessimistic, but while that was the first time we're doing this segment, early news about some of the things that happened this week with Blake Martinez and Darnay Holmes, we might be back with Big Mac next week. And while your hosts are toe-tapping the line of being podcast professionals, it is refreshing to have a true professional joining us today. So hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll catch you later. Shaman, take us out. All right, all you dreamers and creamers. I hope you enjoyed this mini episode, and we'll see you soon. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. <laughs>